Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I sit down with Jenny On. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. So Jenny is a yoga teacher, an Ayurvedic wellness practitioner, and a self-care ritualist. Jenny's first experience in holistic healing started as a child, growing up with traditional Chinese medicine and herbal remedies in her home. So after years of studying various healing modalities, that led her to work extensively as an Ayurvedic postpartum doula, supporting mothers in their recovery from childbirth. She currently leads classes on nonviolent and mindfulness communication, based in California. So she also has some sacred self-care workshops and retreats as well that she discusses um, at the end of today's show. So Jenny is someone that I came across when I was looking for Ayurvedic postpartum doulas because I became interested in this after reading more about those first 42 days and why they're so important to women. Um, And I thought that I wish I would have had one after the birth of my son because I think that would have helped me kind of reframe my mental space and my headspace. And I really talked to Jenny about you know, what goes on those first six weeks, why it's so important to have someone to help help you with that support and what they do, as well as um, when is the best time to find someone to help postpartum, you know, birth doula. And we talk about that. Then we kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about self-care because that's something that she loves to do. And so she gives us a few self-care ideas and um, she finishes up with discussing her nonviolent and mindfulness communication practices, which I found super fascinating. And I get I get a little vulnerable on today's podcast at the end because we discuss um you know, some of the stuff that I should be working on um, based on my reactions to a few of the questions that she had. So that was also um, a little fun that we had at near the end of the podcast today. So um, she also gave out a great challenge. So at the very end, uh, we have a fresh challenge for you guys as well. So without further ado, here is today's show with Jenny on. All right. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I am here today with Jenny on, and we are going to break down a little bit of Ayurvedic wisdom, postpartum stuff, as well as whatever she kind of really wants to talk about today. So Jenny and I have not actually chatted before, so it's kind of our first intro to each other as well. So I'm going to kind of throw it to you, Jenny, and tell me a little bit more about yourself and just kind of anything you want to share relevant in the fitness, health, wellness space. Great. Hi, welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me on your podcast today. Uh, Yeah, my name is Jenny and I'm a holistic healing practitioner in Long Beach, California. And I run a wellness center in Long Beach called Sacred Roots Holistic Healing. And um, I offer Ayurvedic consultations and I also uh, work with mothers uh, during the postpartum period to Uh, rejuvenate and um, help bring them back to a state of balance. Um, And I also lead classes in Long Beach uh, based on nonviolent communication and self-care courses at Sacred Roots. Uh, And I'm actually currently in school, um, uh, in acupuncture school right now. So there's, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's what brought you to the acupuncture school. You know, I've always wanted to study acupuncture. Um, my holistic journey started with yoga mm. about 15 years ago, where I was introduced to yoga, which is how I was introduced to Ayurvedic medicine. I think once you're sort of in that, when you, once you've been studying, been studying yoga for uh, a long time, you, you naturally find Ayurvedic medicine because they're a sister science uh, healing system, right? So um, 
so I found Ayurveda and I was very much immersed in that. But at the same time, I grew up with Chinese medicine in my household. Mm. And I think that's where the inspiration was sparked um, because my mom is very much into all of that, my whole family, my tradition. And um, I grew up with that in my home. And so I think it was kind of more natural for me. Um, and so I wanted to study Chinese medicine, but I was already so immersed in, in, in the yogic Ayurvedic path. Um, but I knew that I would come back to it at some point and it just was, it just is the right time for me right now. So hmm, that's right. awesome. Mm-hmm. So like growing up with it, what like types of things I guess were different from like other people that you might've first noticed when you were younger? As far as like having traditional healing in the home. Yeah. Well, my family, when, you know, if we got sick or anything happened, the first thing was natural healing, you know, herbs, moxibustion, acupuncture, cupping, um, yeah, just holistic ways of treating the body versus going to see a doctor. Like that was basically the last thing that we would do. <laughs> uh, and the first thing we would do is, okay, how can we treat this at home? Mm. So, and then watching my grandma and all her friends, uh, and I think I had a natural tendency for healing, and, you know, as a young child. And so I think that's why I was drawn to that path. But I mean, my, my little sister is, um, she just graduated from her marriage family therapy master's program. And my older sister is in nursing. So, you know, it seems to me that all of us have some kind of interest in healing. Yes. Our, our background and our, you know, our, the way they were raised, maybe it had some kind of influence on us. Oh, yes. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, all of those are very, you know, helping other people and, um, you know, in many different capacities. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways I think that I was also introduced to Ayurveda is through yoga. And after my yoga teacher training, that was kind of the area that really drew me in. Um, so with your right. background, kind of growing up with it and then learning more about it with the yoga teacher training, like, is this kind of what set you on your path to this? Or were there kind of other twists and turns along the way? You know, with yoga, even teaching yoga, you know, I took my first training about 15 years ago and that's where I was introduced to Ayurveda as well. And um, it just made so much sense to me. Um, And I was on my own self-care, self-healing journey as well, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's how a lot of us kind of find these healing modalities because we're on our own journey. And then how can we help others because of how much it's helped us, right? So, um, at the same time, a lot of like teaching yoga, I never thought that I'd teach yoga for so long. It just kind of landed in my lap. And the same thing with Ayurveda. Uh, I started Ayurveda and then suddenly all these women are reaching out to me. I need postpartum care. And, um, you know, my training I think was limited in that area. And so I did further training with Isha Oates, mm. runs a sacred window program in uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque. And she's an amazing woman. She has such a wealth of knowledge and I learned so much from her. And um, unfortunately she did, she did pass away a couple of years ago, but gosh, she has planted so many seeds and so many people and guiding so many women. And uh, from her, I learned more in depth about Ayurvedic postpartum care. And um, from her training, I was able to help more women mm. and, and yeah, bring that knowledge to them. So for people out there like myself, I was very kind of drawn to this because I recently have, my son is now, well, gosh, 16 months. um, Mm. And I definitely wish I would have known about this because I would have totally used these services because I, um, you know, everything that I've read about it, because I've kind of studied up a little bit about it through this 
I'm taking a more in-depth course right now, really deep diving into Ayurveda. And they just hinted at the postpartum care and like those first 42 days. And, um, I wish I would have known that before. I'm like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. you know, if I, you know, if we decide to have another child, I'm like, this is something that I want to take with me because I can see this being something that would have helped me because I was in such like a fog and just so of out course. of it those first three months that I was like, I didn't know who I was anymore. I just mm-hmm. kind of really lost that connection. And so after reading more about this, I'm like, wow, this could help so many people out there. And I just, that's why I kind of wanted to bring you on because of my own experience and talking to friends, like, this is very common for women to feel that way, but nobody likes to share it and kind of put that out there. So I was thinking maybe this would be something that could help women with that postpartum care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Ayurvedic medicine, uh, they talk about the three sacred windows of time in a woman's life. And the first window is when a woman gets married. The second window is when uh, the postpartum period. And the third window is the menopausal period. And it's a time of these, these three phases of a woman's life are times of great transition and also a, a sort of like a time of, um, a time of great spiritual growth. And, um, and these transitions are not really, I mean, marriage I think is really honored, but the postpartum period, unfortunately, especially in the Western culture, is uh, not really talked about. I mean, even when you think about like doula trainings, there's so many labor doulas, but very little postpartum doulas. Mm-hmm. And then when there are postpartum doulas, the postpartum doulas that I've met um, take do a lot of care for the woman with a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, not so many women that I know that do postpartum care, caring for the mother, as it is emphasized in Ayurvedic postpartum care. And so there, the emphasis is really mothering the mother so the mother can be there for her family and her baby. Um, and really self-caring because this time is a time of great detoxification for a woman, but it's also a time of rejuvenation. The mother needs so much rejuvenation, but the body is going through so much change. And so, and the body is shedding a lot too, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) So the, so the body is changing and, and this is why it's considered the sacred window of time because um, your body has a great ability to heal itself but also in reverse, right? So if a mother is not caring for herself in that sacred time, then um, it can exacerbate other conditions. But the same the other way, if the mother is really taking care of herself and rejuvenating and resting and eating the right foods, healing can happen very quickly and very deeply. Mm. Um, And I know that also in Chinese medicine, they, they say that it's like a sort of a rebirth for mother. Um, I, and I don't know too much. I haven't learned too much about it yet, but, um, I was talking to an acupuncture friend of mine and he was saying that, um, like the mother is shedding all her blood. And so it's like, she's being renewed to, to the deepest, uh, layer of her tissues. Mm. Um, so it is really like a rebirth. Oh, yes. Uh, is this why like sometimes autoimmune diseases might be triggered? Would it have anything to do with like just the stress that you're under or is that just something that is just going to happen to you? It's kind of predetermined type of thing. Well, I think with, um, this ease and things that, you know, might be genetically inherent within that, Mm -hmm. you know, like with, yeah, I think that giving birth is a huge, uh, I don't like to call it like traumatic, but it's definitely a huge change, right. That, that occurs in a woman's life. And yeah, just so much is happening. And so I think anytime there is, um, 
yeah, like big changes like that in your life, even moving or starting a new relationship or ending one, it can trigger certain things in our bodies. Um, and I think stressful situations can bring certain things on. So it's, yeah, I think it all just depends on what's happening with the person at the time. And um, I think there's a lot of factors, but I think that it's, it could be related to that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's super. I've been hearing a lot more about just the autoimmune, you know, I didn't even know this was a thing until probably a few years ago. And I had a client who had, this has happened to, and um, you know, now recently it's just become either people are talking about it more and I'm like, wow, I did not realize this was that common. Mm-hmm. So that caught me kind of thinking, I'm like, wow, what is kind of this trigger? And so I was, you know, after reading more about just taking time, because a lot of the time, you know, we do go back to work, maybe even two months. Like I went to back to training clients like two months after, like I gave birth to my son, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just train a few clients. Right. But I was getting up really early for one of them. And I'm like, I was already not sleeping, you know, and not even thinking this is going to harm me, you know? And that was kind of the thing where we sometimes don't know, I guess as first time moms, especially like, we're like, oh no, it's just, you know, we give birth, we see it on movies and they're back and happy the next day, you know, and not really thinking that this is actually, it's different for everybody. Yeah. I think that in our culture, there's this thing with moms. It's like, okay, you give birth and the faster you bounce back, you know, it, it, shows what kind of a mom you are or there's these kind of things that right and um i think what people forget is that in that postpartum period rest is essential to recovery and that's the number one thing i tell my clients is that you have to rest you have to find time for stillness yes and that's why with the everyday postpartum care we incorporate massage because um i do it's important that moms are resting and it doesn't mean you can't walk around but um i advise my clients not to start walking probably until the sixth week around the sixth week because their moms are like well I want to do like a walk around the block and (laughs) I say go outside and sit and walk around your home a little bit but this is one of the reasons I do the massage because it helps with the lymphatic flow because if you're not getting that uh you know your cardio or you're not able to move your lymph fluid then we do it for you right Uh, receiving that nourishment but you're also receiving a circular you know being able to bring circulation into your body and um but also help you rest at the same time and that's so important i think and you know i've heard of moms like after their c-sections like the next day going out and shopping and uh uh, and i i go to the mother's home you know we do the cooking and um you know we cook meals depending on what's going on with digestion and so the food is even tailored to those six weeks, how the body is changing. Um, you know, in the beginning, we like to make foods for mothers that are warm and nourishing, vatha pacifying, right? Mm-hmm. Because vatha energy is very high at that time. There's been so much change and uh, the body needs stillness. And that's key. That's the number one thing, I think, that um, that's very easy to forget in that time. Mm. That's where... I totally went wrong with mine as well. Cause I went to a store, like, I think it was 10 days postpartum, mm-hmm. not realizing how much walking that was. Cause after I parked the car and like tried to walk to the store, I was like, Oh, I'm going to need a cart. Like I can barely even just walk standing upright. And you know, I just was walking around the house, not realizing how much this was, you know, affecting me. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm always, you know, I was an athlete growing up and you know, I'm still an athlete and I'm like, no, your body is talking to you and you need to listen. And, you know, honoring that and just, I guess, being humble enough to say, I do need right. to rest instead of trying to push. 
Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, what I was taught was that the mother's physiology and her state of being is just as sensitive, if not more sensitive than her baby. Mm. I think that says a lot. You know, the we want to protect our baby, but then what about the mother? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the mama and making sure that she's in the right state of mind. And, um, you know, that transition, I think, takes some time, you know, not just the physical body, but also what's happening on a mental, physical, you know, emotional level. Um, there's so much to process. And I think being in a place of stillness and quiet and if possible in nature um, can be so, so healing and can be, you know, creating space that healing to happen yes it's very important yeah I couldn't agree more with that and I had read um you know because I have a I'm a personal trainer as well and so mm-hmm. one of the things I had read they're like oh you know if you feel up to it you know go ahead and do some squats you know before your six-week checkup just because you know you've always been an athlete and you work out this should be safe for you to do this is what I was reading so I was like oh well that would be me I'd fall in that category why not and I ended mm-hmm. up I'm not sure if this, this probably aggravated it, but I probably had, I had like a glute tear that went kind of unrecognized until about the six to eight week mark. And then like every time I had a bowel movement, it was like awful. Um, Like I was on the floor, like crying for five minutes because it hurt so bad. And that's where I'm like, gosh, I wonder if doing, you know, trying to do squats and just the stuff that I tried to do stupidly, not knowing, you know, that Mm -hmm. hey, maybe I need to just sit and chill out. And I think sometimes we put pressure on ourselves. I know I was initially just because I was like, oh, I need to lose the weight. I need to get back to it. Definitely. And that's something that I know, I'm sure there's tons of moms that have that kind of fear. You know, what do you tell them to kind of reassure them? You know what? Everything will work out. You know, like if your weight loss is your goal, it will come off just not tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that's kind of my role there is to just kind of uh, remind the mother to come back to self, mm. you know, especially when she's like, well, but then I, you know, I went on this, like, I'll do a little check-in with them when I come to their home. And, um, usually my clients are pretty good about things, but I've had clients that are like, you know, on the go and I have to mm-hmm. come back and I remind them, um, I remember to stay warm, remember to, uh, rest, take a nap if you can, like if the baby's napping, try to get your nap in at the same time, because you're not getting, the, you know, you're losing sleep most likely, especially in the first couple of weeks, um, take a hot bath. Like what are things that, you know, I try to find ways to remind, uh, these mothers to, uh, cultivate some time for themselves mm-hmm. and also remind them that this is kind of the best time to do it because when your baby, the baby is growing very quickly and there is, there are more demands, right? Mm-hmm. Not that there aren't demands when the baby is first born, especially for first time moms. I know that's a, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of worries and stress and uncertainty. And am I doing this all right? (laughs) Um, You know, all that, that comes along with first time moms, but, um, but your baby is also sleeping a lot and you want to take advantage of that time where the baby is a little more still. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Um, Because then the baby's walking and then you, you know, life is happening. So um, I, I just don't think that our culture is really aware of that. There's so many cultures that are um, outside of America, I think. Mm-hmm. Like even in Mexico, they have this thing called the cuarentena. It's like the 40 days where you kind of like stay home and, um, you know, your mother will come and feed you. And in, in my culture, in Korean culture, we feed the mother for, I think it's two months or 40 days. We feed them yeah. seaweed soup. 
oh, wow. iron and, and how nourishing it is. And that's what, that's the only thing that the mother will eat for the next 40 days and wow. the mothers will come and they'll feed them. And I've also worked with Indian families where their mothers will come from India and, and stay with them for however long to nurture their daughters um, oh. while they're tending to their baby. But in our culture, I think that you know, there's this idea of staying busy and, you know, having to be productive and active. And if we're not, there's almost some kind of guilt that comes with that or some shame. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something that pushes moms, you know, okay, like I got to keep, I got to keep doing stuff or staying busy and got to get back to work. And um, I just don't think that the knowledge is really there about that postpartum period and really giving yourself that time for yourself and rest. Mm. So if you're going to look at like getting a postpartum, you know, birth doula, typically when would you kind of start working with someone? Is it right after, you know, giving birth or, you know, if someone's kind of thinking maybe I should get one, what is kind of that ideal time frame? Honestly, I like to go to the mother's home. Like if they get home, I like to be there maybe in the evening. It starts pretty quickly because uh, cortisol levels are really high mm-hmm. directly after giving birth for the next 12 days or so, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when cortisol levels are high, your, your other bodily functions, functions are on the back burner, right? Like digestion, elimination, your appetite, all of those things are affected. And all of that is so important to, to, your, to recuperating and to um, regaining your health back. And, and getting that back to a state of, you know, maybe where it was, it takes some time, but with the right nurturance and the right kinds of foods and herbs um, and the right kind of care, I think that it, you can really get that back very quickly. And I've seen it in a lot of mothers where it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible um, with a little care. And so I like to go immediately in the first couple of days, definitely getting a, at least a nice, warm, calming, uh, relaxing uh, massage for the first three days back to back because of the high cortisol levels, you want to bring the nervous system down, right? You want to bring Vata down as, as quickly as possible. And I think when there's too many gaps in there, then, you know, then Vata just continues to run mm. and then the mind runs and then the mom is still like on kind of like, I got to do stuff, right? I want to, yeah. oh gosh, like kind of running on that energy the first couple of days after giving birth. And then moms usually kind of crash and come down. <laughs> but moms don't crash. They just keep going. And it's that Vata energy that's kind of perpetuating that, right? That movement, that kind of frenetic energy of having to do things. And I think that when you can implement some of these stillness, self-care practices like massage or like a hot bath or making sure to get naps and staying warm and eating really warm, grounding, nourishing foods, Mm. uh, mothers can kind of come back to themselves a little bit quicker. Mm. And then like the time period that you'd work, is it, you know, so say someone's like six weeks postpartum now and they're like, oh, is it too late for me to get, you know, a postpartum birth doula? Um, I I don't think so. I've worked with moms um, six to eight weeks after. Usually I'll do some massages, maybe not so much the food and everything. Okay. Um, but I would say the best time to start is as soon as possible. Okay. Like soon after giving birth, I think those first six weeks is, is vital. And then, um, you know, it might take really the mom about, I think, two years to kind of come back to self completely. 
I believe that. <laughs> but I think that, you know, yeah, I think that the post-post period is really like, um, you know, the fourth trimester, they call it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is like, the, is that really those six to eight weeks? But then really, I think it, it takes a little bit longer than that. Oh, yeah. I would definitely agree. I was like, I told one of my clients, I'm like, give it like at least a year before you start, you know, because sometimes even, you know, I have a lot of people who after, you know, having babies, they want to do, they want to lose the weight. And so now since having my son, I'm like, okay, things don't automatically shift back and go back and like organs and stuff are still going back into place. And we're expecting to be like, you know, boom, we're back to our old self. And I like to, you know, I've now kind of see it more as we're never going to be back to our old self. Cause I think sometimes when we say that we're thinking the old self mentally, you know, physically, which we've evolved, like that's not, that person is gone. You know, you're now kind of stepping into that new identity and that new kind of evolution. And that's kind of the way I've looked at it now with postpartum, just because I've realized I've had to do that. And once I kind of let go of like the old self, then I was able to kind of well, A, start losing weight, B, start feeling more like myself again, and C, stepping into like this new role of being a mom. And I had just gotten married before, well, okay. my son. So it was all very fast. Right. It was like wedding and then come back from honeymoon, we were pregnant. So it was like just a lot of changes. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of also just stepping into that role. And um, I think that's something that we don't always talk about either. It's just kind of that shift in who we are. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's why that, you know, that six to eight week period is so important because I think the mother is going through so much like own inner processing. And, you know, um, I also recommend for uh, my moms to um, have maybe as little visitors as possible. And I know that like, you know, when you have your baby, you want to like show your baby off and you want to see all your friends. But um, I think it's so important for the mom to be in stillness as much as possible so that she can have her own kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and the mother is in such a sensitive state physically and mentally and emotionally. And I think that um, when you're in that state, I think being around as less people and different kinds of energy is very important to just kind of protect your own energetic body mm-hmm. and your mind. And, um, you know, and not bringing in sort of this, I don't know, new energy, I guess, unless you know people and you feel really safe with them. But even then, you know, I like to tell my clients, if possible, have people over for 10, 15 minutes max mm-hmm. so that you can have time to like, so that you're not having to entertain and that you're not having to put a lot of energy out there. Because I think it's a time to bring yourself back to, it's a time when you're really, um, coming back to yourself mm-hmm. in ways, kind of like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that transition can take more than just that six to eight weeks, right? I'm oh, sure yeah. it's just a continual. I mean, we're constantly changing and shifting who we are. And so yeah, I think you're right. I think it does take, um, and maybe even the way that we go into it as well, going into uh, giving birth, it's not just about giving birth, but like, yeah, giving birth to a new self. And what is that going to look like? What does that mean? What what could that feel like? Um, And maybe having to shed some of those expectations along the way. Mm -hmm. And that's like the tough one. Cause I had one client who um, like I had shared a solo podcast kind of about, I guess my struggles postpartum. And one of my clients had listened and was like, Oh, I was trying to, you know, tell you this when you were pregnant, you know, kind of sharing with you that some of this will happen, but it's sometimes hard because we don't always, I guess, know. She, and she had said the same thing. She's like, I'm sure people probably told me before my first, but until you've actually went through it and become a, you know, became a mom, you're kind of like, 
I hear them saying this, but I don't know what they mean. You know, you can't quite conceptualize exactly what your life is going to look like, you know, taking care of someone constantly. You can't just run and do something where, you know, you used to be able to do that thing. You know, just something as simple as that, you know, has now shifted. And so those are little things that I'm like, oh yeah, if I would have just somehow like grasped what they were saying and actually been like, oh yeah, this, this is going to really change my life. Yeah, I guess you can't really grasp that until it's happened, right? Would yes. you say? Yeah, I, that's what I would say. I'm like, those first few weeks, like, I wish I would have just kind of sat with that a little bit more than I did, right. just rather than trying to kind of run from it almost. And then, you know, six months later, still mm-hmm. dealing with it because I've been running from it for six months. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think preparing our kind of mindset going into it is really important. And I, I even believe how we experience the postpartum period is highly determined on how we go into pregnancy oh yeah you know how we're how our the state of our body the state of our mind um and i I can see that um especially with mothers who i know who practice ayurvedic medicine um i have a friend of mine who prepares i think at least a couple months into going into into conception preparing Mm. her body going through different detoxes and cleanses preparing the body so that it's in a completely healthy state, preparing the mindset and setting that intention, um, I think can make a huge difference as well. Mm. Yes. That's where I'm like, if I have another one, that is something that I will definitely be a lot more aware of, um, you know, that whole just process and, you know, just knowing, okay, this is what kind of having that too, like, okay, this is kind of what happens. So you kind of do know, everything right. the labor wise. Cause I know a lot of times labor is something that's, you know, scary for women because they haven't experienced before if it's their first, you know, or even if it's not your first, it's still kind of an unknown, scary. Situation. So all of that kind of, okay, you kind of already know what your first birth was like. So you have that under, but now we can think of how is this going to, you know, how can my life evolve now with another child, you know, and what's that going to look like? And just kind of thinking about that beforehand um, and having those tools, I think would really help. Yeah, so many mothers that I've worked with, they are, you know, so grateful that they took the time and, um, you know, even financially just set that for themselves that um, having a Ayurvedic postpartum doula, I know was so helpful on their journey towards healing. And um, I have a couple more, I just worked with two moms. And um, it was such an honor to work with them again for their second babies, mm. um, you know, and I work with them with their first babies and just, just, just yeah, just being able to experience and to witness um, where, where they were and how they've, how far they've come along is, is really beautiful mm. and, um, and seeing how it's been beneficial to them is, yeah, very, very fulfilling for me and uh, mm. just so grateful that I'm able to do that, be able to help mothers in this way. I love that. And yes, thank you so much for doing what you do. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) So I want to kind of shift gears into a little bit of self-care strategies just for women in general. So it doesn't necessarily have to be postpartum period, but what are some self-care? Because I know this is something that you really like to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some things that women can do just for themselves every day? Well, one thing that I really love, and this is an Ayurvedic uh, self-care practice, is uh, self-daily massage. Have you heard of that before? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And do you practice self-daily massage? I did. I literally just posted this in my private Facebook group as the challenge oh, for today. This was their challenge. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so perfect timing. Yeah. So self-daily massage, I think, is great. Um, uh, so so it's the, the, the beautiful thing about it is that... Um, in, in Ayurveda, oil 
is in Sanskrit it's called sneha and sneha means to love oh i didn't know so that i i love that you know you can take this oil and you're nourishing yourself you're it's an act of loving yourself mm-hmm. and so you carve out a little time in your day to apply warm oils to your body and you know when i'm consulting with people it could take any i let them know it can take anywhere from two minutes to 20 minutes mm-hmm. like you can sit there and you know lovingly massage yourself for 20 minutes or if you're on the go you know put the oil on and then get in the shower um, but i like to apply the oils and then hop in the warm shower um, and then continue to massage the oils into my body um, for how long you know however long that would take and um, it's a great practice for reducing vata energy um, and it's great for protecting the body and the skin so it's great for keep, keeping the, uh, the skin supple and tone and um, for me, it's just, it's also helps me to mentally prepare for my day. So especially if I know I'm having a really busy day, it's one of my grounding practices, my go-to. And um, I think once you've been practicing for it for a while, it does become that. It's like, okay, I've got to do my abhyanga. I've got to do my self-daily massage. Um, just like brushing your teeth, right? Yes. Um, like one of those things that, okay, I've got to brush my teeth. I've got to wash my face and, you know, and self-care. So it's just become for me a part of my self-care uh, regimen. And I think it's a really easy one that people can do at home, um, especially for people like if you can't go and get a massage every week <laughs> or once a month, it's like something you're still, you know, you're bringing in circulation into your body, blood flow and all that. Um, but it's such a great I think a practice for also slowing down. I think slowing down is so key to self-care. Um, and it doesn't have to be like you have to carve out a certain amount of time every day. Like if you can, that's great. But, um, you know, it's kind of like the practice of mindfulness. You can practice mindfulness wherever you're at. So even if you're eating a meal, you know, maybe slowing down and really savoring and being fully present to what you're doing, I think can shift your mindset and shift your experience with whatever it is that it, whatever it is that you're doing. So, um, yeah, bringing in that concept of stillness and slowing down, I think is huge. Oh, I, t- I couldn't agree more. Cause that's something that I try to do, you know, even at when I'm feeding my son lunch and now he's kind of feeding himself and the floor at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, okay, you know, he's taking his time. I'll take my time and just kind of just be with it. And I'm like, I'll worry about the mess later, but just chill out while we're mm. Yeah. Just becoming present to what is in that moment, I think is so, can be so healing and transformational on so many levels, um, yes. whether it's eating, whether it's like you're waiting at the bank in line, mm. you know, it's like, it could, it, you could, either you can see it as a task and you're bored and you're whatever trying to kill time, or you can stand there and be fully present to that moment and really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I think little things like that, um, that people can in- incorporate in their, day-to-day lives um yeah it can be very healing and try to resist the calling of your phone and just i know it's <laughs> right right and when i see people do that i purposely like try not to go on my phone and yeah. you know stay present and just kind of breathe and i don't have to go to that as like a default thing because mm-hmm. i don't have anything else to do mm-hmm. um which is really hard in our culture now because you know technology is dominating so much of our lives um, so that's why I think it's important to come back to basics, you know, yes. being in nature, um, carving out some time for nature or again, mindfulness, slowing down, um, or taking that time for yourself in the morning to, you know, to do yeah. your self massage or meditation or whatever that is for you that 
you know, that nurtures you and brings you back to self. And I love that you called it the default. Cause I think that is what it is nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Like we just look at our phone or, Oh, we're bored or we don't know what to do. So we grab our phone and just start scrolling and we're, you know, in Facebook or Instagram or checking our emails and we didn't mm-hmm. even realize we're suddenly doing it. We're like, how did we get here? Right. <laughs> I've done that before. You're just like, wait, what? What am I doing? No. <laughs> right. And then you're just scrolling and then you're like, it's, you're like, I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. No. I'm just yes. killing time or, you know, half an hour has gone by and yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk with you about one more kind of area that you're passionate about with the nonviolent and mindfulness communication practices. So what got you interested into that? And I know you teach some classes about this as well. I do. I lead a six-week mindfulness communication course about four times a year with my uh, with co-facilitator, Rachel Benish. And uh, in two weekends, we're also leading a weekend uh, mindfulness immersion, which we do a couple times a year. And I got into it, you know, I've been um, studying various holistic healing modalities uh, for the last like two decades. And I found nonviolent communication. I actually, one of my teachers uh, who I studied restorative yoga with, Judith Lazeter. Oh. Uh, yeah, she's. Yes, I love her. I've read her books. I've not got to meet her yet, though. Oh. Yeah, I, I love her so much. I've done a lot of trainings with her, and she actually introduced me to nonviolent communication, and she would use it with us. And, you know, I just, I was in awe of her. Like, how does she do that? How does she communicate? And how is she so present with everybody, even though there's like a hundred of us in here? <laughs> seems like she's speaking directly to you, you know, when she's, yes. you know, and, um, it's very powerful. And so, um, throughout the years, I just started kind of researching it and exposing myself to it a little bit and, uh, taking a little classes here and there. And then I started diving a little bit deeper into it because I think it really does provide some practical skills and tools for how to communicate more efficiently with other people, but most importantly, how we're communicating with ourselves and um, I believe it's a form of mindfulness in action. And uh, really for me, ties in a lot of the work that I've been doing with, you know, just bringing more awareness to myself, just another awareness tool, I think, uh, very similar to yoga or Ayurveda, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just another tool for me that um, helps me to access myself and, um, yeah, helps me to show up in a way that uh, feels good for me. And I think I've, struggled with communication you know when I was young I used to think that I had um like because I grew up bilingual that maybe my communication issues were because of that maybe you know I used to think is it like an English thing and then I uh and then I just kind of realized I'm like it's not a language thing it's a me thing oh. like, I just never really learned how to communicate and well, we um, don't though I mean right yeah we don't, <laughs> we don't study it <laughs> And also depending on the culture you come from, you know, I came, you know, my background, I'm Korean American and in our culture, there's a lot of demands that are made and, um, you know, there's a hierarchy as well that dominates our culture. And so if you're younger or if you're a woman, you know, you're considered maybe less important or have less to say, or, you know, what you say is not as valued. So a lot, I grew up with a lot of those kind of beliefs, um, and sort of like, I guess, conditionings. And so, um, which carried through as an adult and which didn't serve me as I, you know, as I started to, as you know, I started to live in the world. And, um, and so I thought I have to shift this, like I have to kind of recondition some of this stuff and nonviolent communication has been really, um, 
um, has been really impactful in that way and helpful and uh, helping me kind of navigate my feelings and being able to really express myself in a way that feels authentic and alive. And um, thankfully I've been able to yeah, help others with that as well. Oh, that Yes. I'm interested in this now. That sounds really awesome. So is this like, like takeaways that you get from this course? Are you getting like tools, strategies, mantras, that type of thing? It's more like tools and strategies, I would say. Um, it's very, it's practical stuff, a lot of practice that we do, because I think that it's kind of like learning a new language, basically. It's not something you can just take a course in and then like, okay, I've mastered this. Like <laughs> Spanish class, you know, you can't just like go out and start using it. I think that you have to be immersed in it mm-hmm. to really understand it and to utilize it and embody it. Uh, that we that feels um, you know like authentic for you and so uh, we're me and Rachel are trying to build a community um, here in the Long Beach area Los Angeles area because it takes that much um, I almost abandoned it I almost abandoned it when I first learned it because I didn't have anyone to really use it with oh, and it just seems so you know it's it's challenging because you're used to communicating in a certain way and then you're learning a new way of mm-hmm. sort of being and it's not just communication because I think communication translates to what, how are we thinking, what's going on in our heads and how is that translates translating into what we're saying. And so there's a lot of reconditioning and having to look at some of our belief systems um, over and over again. Is it serving us? Is it not? And um, yeah, having to kind of rewrite that story in our, again. Yeah. And um yeah, it's, it's a lot of inner work. It's really powerful stuff, uh, very transformational. And um, I think that the work starts with us. And so when we can transform ourselves, then it's a lot easier to, you know, deal with other people or especially when there's conflict in situations, um, you know, it, those kinds of things become, those kinds of things become a little bit easier because you have tools mm-hmm. to navigate. Um, otherwise you kind of go back into like that default mode right oh yeah super easy to do exactly and so um yeah nonviolent communication has been very challenging in a lot of ways for me but in in a lot of good ways because the challenges have have helped me to grow so Um, this is something that is just kind of always you know ongoing practice for you just every day you're kind of practicing it definitely definitely it's like for example, if I'm triggered by somebody, my default mode might be to retract, right? Mm -hmm. Because what we do is, you know, it's kind of instinctual. We either fight or we flight. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so let's say I'm in an, you know, I'm having a conflict with my partner and my initial, my default is to like maybe run or maybe to become angry. Um, And so then I have to kind of like with putting my NVC cap on, I call it kind of like staying in that nonviolent mode is to like take a step back and how can I stay observant how can I be objective of the situation and see the bigger picture and um, see what's really going on with that other person and what's going on with me and not allowing my judgments or my expectations to kind of cloud that cloud my cloud what's really happening right Mm -hmm. and when I'm able to stay in that objective state then I'm able to stay calm and grounded and then communicate from a place of um, connection 
a place of like wanting to understand what's really going on for this person and what's going on for me and be able to communicate that in a way that is loving and kind and compassionate mm -hmm. uh, instead of like, I've got to get my way, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, you're trying to do this to me. And it's really not about that. And I think that, um, you know, I think that this can be really helpful for people um, struggling with those kinds of things. Oh yeah. We all are. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, especially like in those kind of those deep intimate relationships. Cause I think it's so easy for us to, you know, cause you feel the most comfortable with these people typically and, you know, to fly off the handle instead of taking, like, I love how you said that taking your, you know, Oh, let me step out of this. Let me put my hat on. How am I going to reframe this? And before you step in, I think if we all would do that, my, I'm talking to myself in particular sometimes <laughs> I have and I can flare up and that's where I'm like, right. oh, I can totally, you know, take a step back rather than lashing out. And I usually will only lash out on, well, typically my husband, um, because right. he sees me the most. I'm like, I'm not going to do that with clients, but you know, he's the one who's going to get the brunt of it. So that's where it's very interesting for me. I really like how you said that. And, you know, even using that as a tool for myself going forwards is being like, nope, step back, put a different hat on. Let's look at this in a different direction. Definitely. You know, before I uh, studied NVC, I didn't even know that I was, I didn't think that I was ever an angry person. Mm. Um, I saw a lot of my family members angry and I think I kind of wanted to disassociate from that emotion. And it wasn't until I started studying NVC, I started to kind of open myself up to that. But being open to that, I was able to see what, where the anger was stemming from. And usually sort of like these, what we would deem negative emotions, like anger, or irritation, or frustration are pointing to needs that are not being met or values that are being compromised. Mm -hmm. And when we experience more of like the happy emotions, like happiness or joy or gratitude, we're usually um, celebrating a need that is being met or a value that is being met, right? And so um, I think the, the beauty of seeing some of these things that we don't, that we're uncomfortable with, we're able to kind of like tap into something deeper. Mm. Like what's going on for me? Like, why am I angry? Okay. I, you know, I come, I'm coming home and the dishes are undone and <laughs> more order and more um, cleanliness in my home. And so how can I communicate that in a way that is um, trying to create a connection with this person? Right. Mm. Um, and how can we get both needs met? How can we, um, yeah, make, create win-win situation for everyone involved um, and reduce conflict and create more peace, you know, and ease? Well, I definitely need to take this course then. After that, I was yeah. like, oh, I wouldn't even, I would have been like, oh, the dishes are done. Do the dishes. And you're like, oh, yeah. you desire order, orderness and cleanliness. I'm like, what? It wouldn't even came across my mind. I would just been like, the dishes aren't done. So, yeah. Well, because we're, we've already, especially with the people that we love, we are, we've already, we have a story about them already, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, my partner, you know, I'm just, and for example, my partner is lazy. He doesn't want to clean. He's a mess. And if I come home and I see dishes, I already think he's messy. I think he's a slob. So of course I'm going to get angry at him, right? But then we so easily, I think, blame, it's so easy to blame someone else or like see outside of ourselves for the issue instead of coming back to ourselves. Like, wait a minute. It's not that he's a slob and that he's a bad person. If I come back to myself, then I see that, okay, what value is being compromised within me that is causing this emotion to, emotion to arise within myself, right? What he did was stimulating an emotion within me. He's not the problem, mm. right? it's the thing sure the dishes you know and the whatever the things that didn't get done were really the stimulus for an emotion that that was uh, that happened within myself 
and so I'm also taking responsibility for um, my role in this. But I think it's so easy in our culture to kind of blame and look outside of ourselves. And so this is a really great tool to just like, um, yeah, just kind of take responsibility for our own feelings and and um, empower ourselves with tools to, um, yeah, maybe getting our own needs met. Yes. Oh, so if people want to take this class, where can they find more information about it? So, um, yeah, you can go to my website on Jenny on J E N N Y A H N wellness.com. And, um, yeah, I have more information about my website and uh, we're actually having a retreat coming up in October in Joshua tree, California, uh, a, a more immersion for those of us that have a little more experience in online communication that want to deepen their practices. Um, and yeah, or at sacredrootsholistichealing.com or in Long Beach, California, where I hold most of my workshops. Uh, you can also find me there. Oh, that's so cool. I know I wish I lived closer. I'm like, oh, I need some of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a trainer in your area or Gosh. someone teaching in your area. If you start looking, you'll probably find something. I know. That's where I'm going to like, I'm going to have to look up that and some Ayurvedic postpartum doulas in the area. Cause I want to, cause I work with a lot of, you know, pre-postnatal women. So I want to oh, be able great. to refer, you know, my clients to them if they need after great. having a baby. Great. So lots of fun knowledge that I've learned today. Thank you so much. Oh, you're um, welcome. Yes. So I have a one final question for you and it's kind mm -hmm. of for the listeners. So I like to do a weekly challenge to all the listeners, but when I have guests, mm -hmm. I have you guys kind of throw out the challenge for the week. So what would you like that to be this week? I think the challenge would be to maybe one time a week, if possible, take some time in nature. I think that, um, and I know, I don't, I'm not sure where, what kind of environment that you live in, but where we live, it's kind of like a urban city. Mm -hmm. So there's not a, we have the beach, but, um, you know, there it's, I think that's really nice and really accessible for people, but people don't go to the beach as often as you would think. Mm. And so, um, and I think nature is one of the most healing things that we can do for ourselves to kind of reboot, uh, and come back to ourselves again. And, uh, yeah, experience who we really are. And so just giving yourself, maybe it's a walk or just, you know, go take a hike or take a walk even just outside your neighborhood and just be present to trees and earth around you. I think, you know, if that's all you've got, I think that's great too. So taking just some time for yourself to um, immerse yourself in nature. Mm. Yes. That's something I try to do every day. Like I try to take my son on a little hour walk oh, nice. on their trails through the trees and I grew up on a farm so I was kind of spoiled oh, okay. where I had nature everywhere I don't live in the farm anymore I live in the you know city and so I'm like oh. uh -huh. every time I visit my parents though I love it because I just can get lost like we had a brick oh, nice. that was behind our house and I'd walk down there every day so that's where I'm like I crave having that like outdoor time when I need it and I always know mm -hmm. I'm getting a little stir crazy go outside mm-hmm well, this is a great challenge. So yeah. I want to thank you so much for having you on today. I hope, I know people are going to get so much out of this interview um, and I'm sure they will reach out to you definitely if they have any other questions. Great. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you so much and everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type.
And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.